Hi, welcome to Bunch of Mom Sense, a podcast where two moms talk all things kids, work, life, and everything in between. Hey, everybody, welcome to Bunch of Mom Sense. This is Jessica. And this is Heather, and we're glad you joined us. And we have a guest with us on this episode, Diana Gintu. She is a licensed professional counselor, self-care expert, and author of Breaking Free. And we're excited to have her with us. Hi, Diana. Hi, ladies. How are you guys today? Awesome. We're good. We're good. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you. I just finished reading your book and I really did enjoy it. I know we're going to get into that here in just a second, but I did want to say congratulations because I think writing a book, that's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> uh, yeah, it felt very big in the beginning for sure. And I, I obviously I'm super excited that I'm getting some really good feedback from the book and I'm just so glad that people are finding it and it's um, and I know we're going to get into it, but yeah, I'm super excited um, having checked this huge goal off my, you know, my bucket list. That's awesome. Yeah, that is, that's such a big ac- accomplishment. Coming from someone who can barely write an email without deleting it 500 times. <laughs> <laughs> so, so congratulations on that. Um, so if you don't mind, Diana, why don't you tell us and the listeners a little bit about yourself? Um, you know, whether it's personal or your professional um, life, uh, let us get to know you for a minute. Yeah. Uh, well, like you said, I am a licensed professional counselor. I've been licensed for about 20 years now. Um, and I had worked in a variety of places, you know, like domestic violence shelters, high, with high-risk teams. And then I ended up having my own private practice for a while. Um, however, in the last nine years, I kind of switched over to the coaching space and really started coaching um, individuals and kind of how, how to improve their life, how to improve their health. And one of the things that I kind of started to see that was there was a gap was that uh, when I was working with women, they really struggled to, um, to meet those goals, to prioritize themselves. And so I really, over the last three years, have kind of really moved into and this self-care space where I really, um, I'm on a mission to help women really prioritize themselves without guilt and shame. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm really loving it. I'm excited that I'm doing, I get to do this job. Um, and then personally, I have been with my husband for 25 years. Uh, we met when we were 19. Um, we've been married actually 19 years and we have two children. Ethan, who's 16, and my daughter, Elena, who is turning 12 this month. So, yeah, that's me in a little nutshell. Very good. And fun ages. I bet you're enjoying the ages your kids are. I mean, we're not there yet, but I look forward to those ages. Are they fun right now? They are extremely fun. And I'll tell you what, I think all moms have, like, like a shining moment in their motherhood. You know, like, like I am not an infant mom. I'll be honest with you, like the infant years for me, (laughs) those were really hard. I mean, those were really hard for me. Um, And I really think like this right now, like this is my shining moment. I love this age. I mean, I just, I really feel like I am kind of in my sweet spot as a mom. That's encouraging to hear, (laughs) especially for (laughs) two moms that are kind of, we haven't found that um, Sweet sweet spot, shining moment 
yet. <laughs> uh, well, I didn't know it was going to come. I'll be honest with you. Uh, motherhood is definitely a roller coaster of joy and pain at the same time. It, it is. And I appreciate you just being honest and, and saying like you didn't enjoy a certain stage because I think in doing this podcast, we, you know, Jessica and I have had those conversations obviously offline prior to even having the podcast, but to hear other women say certain stages were hard or the newborn phase was hard, the taller stage is hard. It's just, it, it's empowering to hear that as mom. So thank you for being so candid with that. And, um, and I do look forward to the teenage years. I know some people dread them and I have some friends that are in it and they're like, Oh, just wait girl. <laughs> But I, but I look forward to those relationships and those conversations and, and seeing them make some decisions um, and knowing that we gave them the tools to hopefully make the right decisions. So. Right, right. Yeah. Well, good. So let's jump yeah, in. It, or go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say that it will come, that sweet spot, and you'll know it because there's like, there's a part of you that feels a li- like you can take a deep breath. <laughs> You're like, okay, like, yeah, okay, I'm, I, I got this. And, and. I mean, not to say that I'm not thrown off at days where I'm like, what just happened here? But I think that um, I definitely don't have the anxiety that I did when my kids were young. Something to look forward to. Yes, Yes. for sure. (laughs) Well, good. Well, let's jump into your book. So just, I guess, share what, I know it was on your bucket list, but really what drove you to want to write a book? Okay. Um, You know, for me, it, I mean, it obviously, it started, and, and some of your listeners might not know my story, but, um, but you know, I have a, a story of sexual abuse in my childhood, and, and I always knew as I was going through my healing process, um, I started to have this kind of nudge to share with other people, and the reason why is because how I was dealing with it sometimes was very different than what I saw. Um, with other people that had similar experiences. And I was able to really move into a place of forgiveness and really use that pain as power. And when I started to work in my early years in my career, I worked with a lot of trauma uh, victims. And I realized that some people were still stuck there in the trauma, in the pain, in the trenches. And I just started to really feel like I need to share what I did. I need to share it with them. And for a while there, you know, I was, I just kind of sat on that feeling, right? Because I'm not a writer. I mean, I, I mean, it's not like I wanted to be a writer, you know? And so I kind of just sat with it. And then finally last year, 2019, um, I just, I answered the call. I just decided, you know what? It's time. Uh, I'm seeing more and more people just stuck in that pain and, and it's a disservice if I don't share my story. I kind of started to feel that way. Um, and so, yeah, I jumped in and decided it's going to happen. I'm going to do it. And it is a very inspirational story, Diana, because I feel when I read the first part of your book, and your book is it's broken down in three parts around the lies we tell ourselves that prevent us from truly living our best life. But I felt you know, I, I sensed and felt your empowerment. You felt around not wanting to be trapped and become, you know, what society or what statistics or a book you read or magazine article you read would tell you, this is how your life is going to be because of what you've experienced as a young adult. So 
um, or as a teenager. And so I was really empowered by your story. And I think that's so brave of you to share it. And was it therapeutic to share some stories and some examples that you've given in the book other than not just that example, but other examples? Was that very therapeutic for you? It was extremely uh, therapeutic. And, you know, the title, Breaking Free, as I was, as when I finally came up with a title, because that actually came after I had already written the book, I couldn't find the, the title. It was like I just kept going back to, like, what's the title of this book? And, um, and I realized, like, as I was writing this book, as I was remembering some of my story, as I was, like, looking at how, you know, other women were empowered, I, I realized, like, I had broken free. Like, I was not a prisoner of that pain. And when I finally, I think in the book, when I, I have, like, the word, the phrase, breaking free, and I immediately saw it, and I thought, that's it, right here. And so, um, so yeah, it was extremely therapeutic, because I think when we challenge ourselves, right, when we we think, we dream bigger, and we go for it, um, yeah, there's, there's fears and there's doubts, but when you step into it, that's really when the magic happens. And as I was writing the book, I, I, I felt it. I was like, okay, here I am writing this book called Breaking Free. And at the same time, I felt like I was also breaking free into another level. Wow, that's awesome. Did you have any reservations in putting yourself out there? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> um, one, like I said, I, I kind of felt like an imposter, right? Like, I mean, yeah, I might have, you know, I write a little bit here and there, like I've written an article, you know, just little blogs and stuff like that. But I mean, I wouldn't say that I have like training in writing. I mean, um, you know, it's been like, I don't know how many years I was in grad school. That's probably when I did a lot of writing. Um, and so I really had like that imposter syndrome sometimes get in my head, like, who are you? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but I kept thinking back about, like, I kept thinking back at that 18 year old girl who left West Texas with only $200 in her pocket and came to college and could only afford one meal a day. Those were rough days. <laughs> only one meal a day. Wow. I didn't have my textbook. I, I didn't, I was going to college with no textbooks. I'd go to the bookstore and read a chapter at a time. And I was so scared and so alone, but you know what? I figured it out. I figured it out. And I just kept telling myself, if an 18 year old with no resources could figure out how to go to college, you can figure out how to write this book. And so I, that really was my anchor during this time uh, because I've done hard things before. And so even though when those kind of reservations started to come up for me, I would remind myself like, this is hard, but I've done hard things before. Wow. That's a, a very inspiring story. Yeah. Obviously you get your strength from different stages of your life and that pulling from that time in college. I mean, so, you know, kudos to you, because I feel that so many people get, you know, in a situation and maybe not that exact situation where they don't feel that they can achieve whatever goals they want to achieve because of the situation they end, whether it's a financial issue or whatever, maybe they're a young mom um, and they've got to stay home with their kids 
I just think that you got to keep your eye on the prize and to hear that you were able to pull from that time of your life, which I'm sure was a few years back and be able to really think about that time. And then to think of it as you're writing this book so many years later, I mean, obviously you learned a lot about yourself during that time. So I, congratulations, that's a huge accomplishment to, or I think go to college and graduate, mm-hmm. but in that situation, so many people would have given up. Yeah. I mean, giving up was never an option for me, but I, I do remember the struggle. <laughs> oh my gosh. The struggle was hard. I actually recently, um, it was, it's, you know, just things happen so perfectly, you know, but as I was writing my book, my friend was graduating, um, uh, from Texas women's university. And I had, I, you know, I, I went to, to the campus and I hadn't been there in, in years. And I walked in and I went to visit that bookstore and I just almost busted out in tears because <laughs> I remember being this girl that would hope that no one caught her reading a chapter of the book so she could go to the library and do the assignment, you know? And so I just thought to myself, like, oh my gosh, like, wow, full circle moment for me, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said earlier, I I read your book and I really did enjoy it. And it's an enjoyable read and it's got really good examples because, and they're very relatable. So for example, early in my career, Diana, I really struggled with one of the things that you talked about um, when you gave the example of the exercise you did when you went to one of the workshops and (laughs) had to ask for money um, for a charity and the fear, not the fear, but just, you know, not wanting to get the rejection and put your self in that place to, to get the no and just not believing maybe in what the, the, um, the task at hand was. And I really related to that because early in my career, um, I was in sales and I got a lot more no's and yeses at the very beginning of my career. But I think the thing that I got out of your example, um, really, I related to, and I think so many people can relate to no matter what they're going through in life is just putting yourself out there, believing in yourself, having conversations with people, getting people to open up to you. Um, so I really related to that example. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, this was a time, um, you know, I was in business, I was in private practice and I was really wanting to upscale my practice. And so, so I hired a coach, a, a financial business coach, and we went to Vegas. You know, they, he had like a four-day training, um, you know, and, and it was really impactful. It was powerful. Um, and one of the exercises was to get out of our comfort zone with money. You know, we kind of were addressing our money story. And, and I've mentioned before, obviously, uh, I mean, I grew up very poor, and I didn't even have money for food in college. So, uh, so to say that I had a money story, that was an understatement. And so... Um, so yeah, so we, we were told to go around and collect a hundred dollars and we, we could share that we were, you know, that the money would go to charity, but we couldn't share anything else about it. Um, uh, because it really was about like, could you ask for money? Right. And so I was mad. I was definitely very mad about this exercise. I thought it was ridiculous. I thought I'm not going to do it. You know, all these emotions because. I felt so insecure about it. I really did. And, um, and so as we're going, you know, we're in groups, right? And I see people just asking, like, you know, the people I was with, just asking random people for money. People were handing them five, some 20, and it was so effortless for them. And I was over here in the corner, like, about to have, like, a nervous breakdown <laughs> because I was like, there's no way I'm going to beg for money. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And, um, 
anyway, I had a really good partner for the exercise and, um, and he, he noticed that I was having like a hard time and he's like, why aren't you doing it? And I said, I'm not going to beg for money. And he said, why not? And we kind of really sat and talked and, and I'll always remember this because I thought it was so weird how some of our beliefs are kind of hidden in our mind, right? We don't, we're not very aware of them. But the first thing that came to my mind when he said, why not? I said, because just because I'm a Mexican girl um, doesn't mean I'm poor and need money. And he was like, whoa, I didn't even know you were Mexican. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> he was just like, <laughs> like, what happened here? And it really was an old story for me, right? Uh, I grew up and I felt like being around these people, I felt like the minority that didn't have money, was wearing clothes from Target, and they were kind of, it seemed like they were out of my league, right? Like, and I kept thinking, well, of course they can ask for money because they don't need it. Uh, anyway, I just got really in my head. And, um, uh, you know, in the book, as you can tell, I do end up with $100 at the end of the night. And, and that was really um, such a turning point because I was able to move out of an old story that no longer served me. It no longer was real. And I think that's what I want in this book is for people to look at those stories that are hidden that we might not be aware of, but they're there. And that is what's keeping you from creating the life that you want. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I, the other story that really stuck out to me too, was the mother that never finished or never got her high school diploma and, you know, not Uh, letting mm -hmm. her pass be in the driver's seat. I remember, I don't know if that line stuck with me. Um, And I think a lot of women can relate to that and for different reasons, whether it's, they didn't, you know, finish college because they came a young mother or because they had to start working to support themselves or, you know, maybe they just didn't do what they want, didn't get as far in their careers they wanted to because they didn't feel like they could um, be a mom and have the career. So um, I think the past, don't let the past be in the driver's seat. I think that was such, that just meant, that meant a lot to me when I read that. Mm-hmm. So do you want to kind of share a little bit about what that means? Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to, again, we, you know, first of all, like our past, right, what happened, our circumstances, like it's not our fault. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, it doesn't belong to us, right? Like most of the stuff that people are stuck on are are really actually early on in life, you know? Um, we're, We're really stuck in the circumstances and the things that happened to us very early on when we really didn't have a lot of choice. We didn't have a lot of control. We didn't have a lot of power. And those things get kind of like, you know, recorded into our archives, right? Right. And that's what I call like our default setting, right? Like that's our default. That's what we know to be true. And to be honest, like how many of us are going around asking ourselves if we want to believe that or not, right? We, there's so many things that we believe because our parents believed it, because our grandparents mm-hmm. believed it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and we just think it's, it's, you know, that's the truth. But we're not asking ourselves, and I talk a lot about this in the book, like asking yourself that key question, do I still want this to be my truth? Because it doesn't have to continue. Mm-hmm. Now, as adults, right, as, as once we become an adult, we have that choice, that choice to say, you know what? even though that was maybe true at some point, like for this, the, the story that you're referring to, yeah, it was true that she didn't finish high school. I mean, that was, that was not a lie, right? That is the truth. She didn't. 
but that doesn't necessarily mean that she can't go on and be successful. Like that's not, there's not an equal sign there. And I think for a lot of us, those beliefs that we have are based on things that we've heard, what people have said about us. And we start to think that there's an equal sign. Right. We do. I'm Mm -hmm. guilty of it. Yeah, me too. So what, um, so tell us, I kind of want to switch gears a little bit. Um, as you mentioned before, you do, uh, some coaching. Uh, so I kind of want to hear a little bit about that. Um, what is the service that you offer when you're doing one-on-one coaching? Um, so basically my program is a three month commitment, uh, where we coach, um, every other week. And, um, uh, my clients usually have 24 seven access to me, like where they can email me, they can text me, um, in between our coaching calls. But basically what that is, is I really help people break down some of those limitations, some of those patterns. We address some of those default settings that are probably giving them the results that they no longer want, right? But they just don't know how to change it. Um, and then we really do work on, on healing. Uh, because I always say when, when it's like, you know, if you have a bas- basket of, of potatoes, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to use that example because I recently had this happen. <laughs> but like on the top, right, all the potatoes look good. And then like in, then you start walking by the basket and you're like, what stinks? And you can't see it, right? You can't see it. But under, there, there's like a rotten potato there. <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and it stinks. <laughs> it stinks. And uh, it took me a few days of walking by it. And I was like, okay, every time I walk by this place, this little moment here, this little space in my kitchen, it stinks. But all the potatoes on top look great, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of what we feel when we are, sometimes people are like trying so hard on the top, right? They're like doing all the things, doing all the things, but the results aren't happening, right? They're not getting what they want. And it's because they need healing. We need to heal some of those wounds from the past. Um, and so that's definitely something that we address in, in my coaching program. And then I always, we set very clear action steps so that they can execute that, um, that transformation that they're seeking. Wow. I don't know. I just think that as women, it's kind of good to have like a refocus sometimes on ourselves and to have that three months of dedication and time and commitment from you and to know that you're there to support them. I, I bet you find that you get a lot of traction from your clients. Do you feel that they make traction or they get quite a bit of traction from what they expect? Or do you think that they end up at the end of the three months getting more out of it than they originally thought they would get out of it? For sure. I think, you know, I always say this, um, I'm not in the business of inspiring people, right? Cause we can all gain inspiration from a lot of things. I'm really in the business of transforming. Mm. I really want you to like really break down those, those limitations and move the needle. Like let's get you the results that you want. And the reason why having a coach helps, and, and you mentioned something about, you know, having that space to yourself as women. Okay. And you guys probably can relate. Like how many times do you have something planned for you and then your kids ask you for something or your husband asks you for something or your work and you put it off all the time, time. (laughs) (laughs) all the time, right? Like, like we, we need to put skin in the game. We need to put skin in the game because as women our our default is to care for other people. It is like immediately we care. So we said goals, but a lot of times we get lost in that goal, right? And that's because 
we're not really accountable to anyone. And if, if, if the only person we're accountable to is ourselves, we're in trouble, right? Because we will always pick a loved one over ourselves. Right. Well, and I think also having a coach, like an outside person that you don't know personally, Mm -hmm. you're more willing to listen to, you know, their, I don't want to say, I guess, constructive, not criticism, but, you know, guidance, yeah, guidance and, and, and their brutal honesty. Sometimes you're more willing to listen to that than say something coming from a friend or a loved one or relative. Uh, You're more open to an outsider telling you something versus, you know, your family or whatever. Cause, cause you know, if that, if someone close to you are telling you, you those things, your first reaction is to be offended. Oh, for sure. Versus it coming from a stranger, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> yes, for sure. You know what I think is that one, the reason why I hire coaches and I, and I hope that that sometimes that's maybe why people are hiring me, but why I hire someone is because they, they're ahead of me. They've gone before me. So they're like, they know the, the, the way it's like the GPS. Right. And I think a lot of times it's like, we lose so much like traction and momentum when we just keep going in circles, right? And we just keep saying, okay, look, on Monday, on Monday, I'm going to, I'm really going to do this now. I'm really going to do this. And here we are three, <laughs> three months later, right? And like the Monday has never come because there was always something different. And so having a coach really can be your guide so that you really become kind of that, that anchor so that they can be accountable to themselves so they can keep promises to themselves. Um, because, you know, I don't set the goals. I let my clients set the goals and then we together really come up with a plan of how to execute it. Um, and then the reason why I, I have, you know, they can access me in between, you know, any call or whatever is because I know that things come up for us that will get us back into our default, like snap of a finger. Mm-hmm. Like we just, we will leave back to bad habits really quick. And so I want them to have like me at like 911. Like if you are having a moment where you're knowing like, oh my gosh, I'm going backwards, you reach out to me and we can process it so that you can start, you can, you know, not interfere that momentum. I'm very hands on. (laughs) No, I love that. I think that's great. Um, I want to go back and talk about, we were kind of talking about this earlier. I want to go back, Diana. I know there was a conversation you and I had last week a little bit that you were sharing on, um, social media about the conversations we sometimes have with ourselves or the thoughts we have with ourselves. And I thought what you were sharing that day was just, I mean, it was speaking to me. (laughs) (laughs) And I I think we all do it at different stages or phases of our life. And I just that, you know, you're not good enough or you've put on weight or you're just not as witty or smart or as good of a mom. And it's just like all these things we sometimes say to ourselves at different points of our day based on how we're feeling. Um, but it's, it's funny because when you were talking about it, I thought to myself, you know, why do I say some of the things I say to myself? I would never say those out loud to someone else. You know, I would Mm -hmm. never criticize someone the way I criticize myself. So can you just share a little bit about what you were um, sharing that day when I reached out to you about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, that's what I call the default setting, right? Our default setting, we don't really know why it's there. It's just there. 
<laughs> it's like all the negative things that you've ever heard, right? Like they're there in the background and they've just, you know, they're taking on space. And so a lot of times we don't realize, we don't realize when, um, when I work with my clients, we definitely work on that mindset. Like what's happening in the background? What is roaming around in the back that you might not even know that's keeping you from really being the person you want to be? Um, you know, for one of the things for me, for example, was that, you know, a lot of times I hear a lot of my clients, they come in, they have a goal, and then immediately they will say things like, oh, but I can't do it. You know, like, mm-hmm. I wish but I can't do it. Right. Right. And so one of the things that, that I like to do with them is really kind of like reframe and reset, right. We're kind of like uploading a new system. (laughs) We're uploading a new train of thought. And so every time I I call it mental bootcamp and I say to them for the next week, I want you to really be in mental bootcamp. And every time you, you become aware of that negative thought, then I want you to immediately replace it, reframe it to something that is more empowering. For an example, if they, if, you know, if they, let's say they, they're, they decide that they're going to start working out and they have a day where they're like, you know what, what's the point? I can never lose weight. I can never be in shape. I cannot run, whatever it is that they're telling themselves. Um, and then when they detect that, that lie, right, then I want them to, in the moment, find a better thought. And a better thought would be maybe like, I've done hard things before. I can do this. Hmm. Right. And so it's really about finding that. And a lot of times, you know, for example, if they were having a thought of like, I can't run. Well, we might not want to just do a thought that says I can run because what if you can't? I mean, I'm not a runner. I can't run. (laughs) What if you can't, right? (laughs) So it's not about lying to yourself. It's about finding statements that are more empowering. For example, for me, you know, if, if I wanted to run a marathon, I would probably say I'm in the process of learning to be a consistent runner, right? Like I would be able, I'm in the process, you know, maybe I'm walking, maybe I'm jogging a little bit. So again, finding ways that really connects the bridge so that you're not stuck in this negative mindset, because I'll, 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 I'll challenge you ladies to do this in this next week. I'm going to, I always, uh, forgive me for giving you guys a challenge, but here I go. Um, (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) um, But this week, just write down all your negative thoughts when you catch them. Just for fun. Just every time you, you know, like even when you're washing your hands in the morning, right? What do we say? We're like, oh my gosh, I look so tired. Oh my God, what is this gray hair? Like, Like we immediately start our day, right? With saying horrible things about ourselves. Imagine how many negative things we're saying all day, every day. It's a lot, probably. That we lot. don't even know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We, so, so, yeah. So, that's definitely something that I work a lot with my clients because, you know what? If it's just in the background, like, you're going to sabotage yourself. This is why a lot of people are like, oh, I self-sabotage myself a lot. I'm like, well, I know where that's coming from because deep down somewhere, it's telling you that that's the default. That's your truth. That's, you know, you believe it to be true. And so every time that you start to move away from it, your mind pulls you back into the comfort. Right. It does. Yep. So another thing that you mentioned is self-care. Um, and you talk about putting yourself first. 
But as a busy working mom of two, how do you prioritize self-care? Well, um, it was trial and error for a while there when I first started. <laughs> I definitely can say that uh, when I first started, I was like fumbling and thinking like, oh my gosh, I need to. I was in really bad health when I started this. But, but now um, I have a daily morning routine. And I wake up an hour to two hours ahead of my family. And I do my, what I call my 3M. And that's I meditate. I do a morning journal and I move my body. That's a good. And thing. I do it, you know, rain or shine, holiday, birthday. Like, like I don't take time off of my morning routine because I have realized that when I put my oxygen mask first, right? That's why they say it, right? All the time, put your oxygen mask. Um, when I do that, I am I give to my family more. I'm a better mom. I'm a better employee. I'm a better coach because when I start, when everybody wakes up, right, I'm already like, I already have a full cup. I've given to myself. I'm in a good state of mind. So that's really something that I recommend to a lot of people is even if you don't, I mean, right now I've, I've worked up my, my self-care routine to like two hours ahead of when they wake up. But when I first started, I'll be honest, it was just 30 minutes. So if you can carve out 30 minutes to yourself, um, you're going to see a huge difference. It's going to be so much better. That's good advice. We've, t- we've talked to a lot of women on this podcast, and I think that's been one of the things that we have found that's very consistent with a lot of women working moms, busy moms, is they find that time f- before their family wakes up in the morning, most of them do, or they find that time in the evenings, but they just find that time where they can just focus on themselves. And, you know, I think, I don't know. When I first became a mom, I found that to be selfish, to be honest, just to find time, mm-hmm. you know, to myself. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of us have to do it before the kids wake up in the morning or after they go to bed. And that's okay. But I think, um, do you just want to share, or is there anything you want to, maybe a new mom, you know, I just know as a new mom, I had a hard time making that time because I did feel so selfish. Is there anything you want to share that would maybe help a mom that's struggling with that and, and feeling like they are being selfish? Not feel so guilty. Right. <laughs> Yes, for sure. And I think we all kind of struggle with that, right? I mean, I think that me, you know, I think the stage of my kid, I think stages of kids matter, right? Like, I mean, everybody is, you know, again, has, um, has a stage where they need to be more hands-on. Um, but there's two things I want to share. Okay. One of them is um, it's, a, it's a mind frame change, right? It's a mental shift. So you're saying, you know, a lot of us don't self-care because we think self-care is selfish. So what I encourage my clients to start really believing is what if we believe self-care is giving? How, you know, if we believe self-care is giving, we would more likely do it. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you an example of just what happened recently. My daughter, you know, she's having, you know, quarantine fatigue, right? Like, you know, she wants to see her friends. She's sad. And she came to me the other day and she said, mom, I'm really irritable. I'm really sad. Do you think going for a bike ride would help me? And I was like, oh dear, (laughs) my dreams have come true. (laughs) My dreams have come true because that is what I have given her. I've given her the space, but she watches me do it, right? She sees me self-care. She sees me do it. 
And here she is at 11 years old knowing that. And I always tell moms, don't you want to show your kids so that they don't struggle like we did? Right? Like, it, and she just immediately was like, would that help me? And I was like, yes, let's go. And we went and I was so happy because it was like, I had seen the fruit of my labor <laughs> is that <laughs> I want to, I want a teacher. So when you make that shift from, okay, if I self care to myself, I'm giving, I'm giving to my family, I'm giving to my kids, to my employer, you know, I'm mm-hmm. so much better when I give to me. Very well said. Yeah, right? definitely. Perfect. Um, and then just real quick, I just want to give you the tip for like, if you're just starting out with self-care, if you're just starting out and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't have time. I, I'm too tired, all this stuff. So I have this, um, this motto that I, that I share with people all the time. And I said, start small, show up, then build up. And what I mean by that is start small, meet yourself where you're at. You don't make, if you don't have two hours, Hey, that's okay. But do you have 15 minutes? Do you have 15 minutes to do something that makes you feel better? And then when you find that something, maybe it's like every morning I'm going to get up a little bit earlier. So I have time for my coffee and tea, or maybe I'm going to get up earlier and I'm going to like, make sure that I really wash my face with, with tenderness and nurturance instead of just like splashing water and let's go. Right. Like <laughs> 15, 15 minutes, start small and then just be consistent with that. Just show up every day for yourself for 15 minutes. When you really feel like, Oh my gosh, like I've been doing this for a month and I feel really good. Then you can ask yourself, should, do I need more time? Maybe I can do 30 minutes. And then you start building up. You, you need to meet yourself where you're at and starting small and slow and being consistent is the most important before you start to build up. That's some really good advice for sure. Very good. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. All right. So I want you to share, Diana, uh, where our listeners can find you on social media or learn more about you and also where they can uh, purchase your book. Yes. Perfect. So I'm on Instagram on uh, at Diana G underscore speaks. Um, I'm on Facebook, Diana again, too. Um, my website, if you want to know more about me or my coaching programs, you can go to um, dianagintuspeaks.com and then my book is available on Amazon so just Diana Gintu G-U-I-N-T-U Perfect and it, the book is Breaking Free I enjoyed it I think our listeners would enjoy it as well and I'm so excited for you that you've written a book and how awesome is it to say and it's on Amazon <laughs> Right? <laughs> I, I can't say it isn't yes it is really good it is it feels amazing I'm so thank you so much for giving me this opportunity I mean I just I am so glad that that you found it helpful and that it made an impact I just um that's really my mission here no it definitely is a great read so thank you so much for being on our podcast we enjoyed having you yes thank you so much all right we'll talk to yeah, you guys thank you guys yes bye Diana thanks Bye. Please be sure to join us next week for a brand new episode of Bunch of Mom Sense. We look forward to talking to you soon. And if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. 
For more episodes, please be sure to subscribe Bunch of MomSense on your favorite podcast app. Visit our website, www.bunchofmomsense.com. And you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram, Bunch of MomSense. Thanks again. Till next time.